God is with us in our circumstances. And sometimes he does give us marching orders and other times we feel really stuck or up against a wall or an obstacle that we don't know how to get over. We wanna fix our eyes on the task at hand. You know, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So if we can stop worrying so much about the logistics and fix our eyes on him, he is going to give us a light yoke. Welcome to the Jesus Storybook Bible Podcast, a place where we remind you that grace can rewrite any story, that hope shines a light through our darkest moments, and that God's love changes lives. Here's your host, New York Times bestselling author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Hello, I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones, author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells the story of God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about the importance of one another, the importance of community, and how stories can bridge the gap between us. The character of C.S. Lewis in William Nicholson's play, Shadowlands, says this beautiful thing. We read to know we are not alone. Our guest today is writer and editor Elizabeth Passarella, contributing editor for Southern Living and former editor at Real Simple and Vogue. She spent more than 20 years writing about food, travel, home design, and parenting in outlets including the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. Her first book, Good Apple, Tales of a Southern Evangelical in New York City, won Real Simple's Best Book of the Year in 2021. It is really a love letter to New York. Here are just some of the things reviewers have said about it. Laugh out loud. Hilarious transparency. I, a total heathen, love this book. In the tradition of Anne Lamott, Elizabeth redefines good faith for me, a Jewish, atheist, pro-choice New Yorker. I laughed at all her jokes. Elizabeth's new book is It Was an Ugly Couch Anyway, which, as her website says, is, quote, a new collection of essays about navigating change and what happens when two New Yorkers lose their minds over an apartment, end quote. But best of all, Elizabeth is a dear friend. We share a love of New York and writing, and she's one of the funniest people I know, both in person and on the page. She's refreshingly honest, and she draws in readers with her candor and wit and humor and vulnerability. I can't wait for you to hear from her. I know you'll be as moved as I was hearing Elizabeth share how she came to see that God had designed it, that we can't do it by ourselves, that we're not meant to go it alone. Our conversation reminded me of something I wrote about in my devotional called Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. Let me read it to you. This entry is called Nagging God. Is it okay to nag God and pester him? God says we must. God tells us to give him no rest, to remind him of what he has done and what he says he will do, and not to stop until he answers. God loves it when we ask him for great things, because he's a king and kings love to do marvelous, powerful things. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. John Newton. So without further ado, please welcome my dear friend and now yours, Elizabeth Passarella. My name is Elizabeth Passarella. 
I'm a writer in New York City. I started my career working for magazines. So I was a writer and an editor for several women's magazines over the course of about 20 years. I worked for InStyle and Vogue and Real Simple, some wonderful magazines out there. But recently, in the past few years, I've been writing books. My main motivation really for writing books is that I'm really just trying to be a good storyteller. The titles of my books are Good Apple and It Was an Ugly Couch Anyway. I like to say that I bring to light, I think, parts of our everyday lives that might be unspoken. I write stories about just the small indignities, the little heartaches, the embarrassments, the losing our temper, the anger. And then, of course, the humor, the moments that I think many of us experience in our jobs or our friendships or our parenting, but don't necessarily always talk about. I guess that's the gift God's given me is that I can be really open about some of those things, a lot of my own failings in some instances, and that I can make people feel really seen and maybe less alone by telling them my stories. My ultimate goal is to tell stories that relate to people's lives, that they can see themselves in to some extent, um, that bring them joy and make them laugh, maybe give them good memories of their own childhoods. I'm raising my kids in a completely different environment, in a different city, in a different type of community than the way I was raised. So in a lot of ways, it feels like complete, constant new territory. Every day feels like new territory for us. I've always felt an unshakable spiritual calling to New York City. And the older I get, the more I see that as a real beautiful gift. No matter how strange it can sometimes feel for me, I grew up in the Bible Belt and now I have these children who might be the only Christians in their entire grade at school. But God has consistently put in the deepest, most solid part of my soul that he wants me here. You know, it is God's provision and that's it that keeps me in New York City. And I love that throughout history, throughout the Bible, he has told his people to go to inhospitable places or maybe stay in hard circumstances and persevere and that he will never leave them alone. He is in the fire with them. He is in the fire with us. And that could be in a city during a pandemic or that could be in your small hometown caring for a dying parent, that situation that is hard or that environment that feels hostile. And in our new apartment, I wrote a verse on the framing. I thought this would be a fun, sentimental thing to do was to go and write on the framing of the apartment before the workers came in and put up the sheetrock. And I wrote a big chunk of Jeremiah chapter 29. And you know, we all know the verses about, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Those are beautiful words. But before those verses, God tells these people who were entering a strange city and it was a hostile place, they were gonna be exiles and they faced so much uncertainty. And he says to them, settle down, plant gardens, have babies, love your neighbors, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. And those words are my marching orders in life. Our circumstances can feel very shifty. No matter what stage of life you are in, whether you have a new baby or you are changing jobs or you are moving to a different place that feels completely new and scary, our circumstances are always shifting. 
and we can feel like we are wandering in the wilderness. But God is constant, and He is in the wilderness with us. He wants us to put down roots wherever He leads us, and He wants us to invest in our neighbors, even if that environment feels very foreign. So that has really been the story, I think, of my adult life. I feel like that's what God has really called me to. And that has been a hard thing for me to embrace. I joke that I'm allergic to community. I would really prefer to just go it alone. As I've said, I like taking care of my own problems. I usually think I'm right. So the body of Christ is that concept that the hand needs the foot and the eye needs the nose and none of us can function without the other is really disconcerting for me. And it has been a very hard thing for me to embrace. Living in New York City, first of all, you sort of live on top of everyone. So it is very hard to be a lone ranger in a city as densely packed as New York City. You are just going to actually physically be bumping into people and navigating space and elevators and buses and all of those things constantly with other human beings. I make an idol out of self-sufficiency. I grew up in a family where that was really prized. It was really prized to take care of your own problems, not bother anybody. As my mom would say, don't air your dirty laundry in front of anyone else. And I think that the trap that many of us can fall into when we're stuck or when we're in a situation that's really frustrating is that we are sure we can be the ones to push through or to make a way. All of these things we think are so maybe too small for God or that God doesn't care. And we think, I'll be the one to figure it out. I will be the one to push through and to make a way. And I do this in all sorts of situations in my life. I want to strong arm my husband to, to change him to suit my needs. I want to be the boss and the captain and the president of everyone in my family. I often will pray about something and then immediately enact my own plan as if God was going to bless it because I told him about it beforehand. I think we all do that too. I love control. We all love control so much. But one lesson I learned, he does care about the small details of our lives. He does not want us to handle anything, even the little things alone. Our physical everyday lives are precious to him and he cares about those little decisions. So he is not exasperated hearing about any of it. He may not give us the answer that we want, but he is certainly not bothered or frustrated or exasperated by our pleas and our questions and our dilemmas. You know, but also what I learned was that the more I really earnestly tried to be hands off about the things in my life and let God take control, which is incredibly hard for me, the less eventually I thought about the circumstances and the more I began to just think about God. But I was reminded over and over again that God says we are not meant to do life alone. So I have seen him just slowly softening my self-sufficient little heart and showing me what can be gained by serving and letting people serve me, which I think is so much harder for so many of us. We can serve, but we don't want anyone to serve us or we don't want to have to be vulnerable and be needy. And it goes both ways. And that is what the, the beauty of the body of Christ is. So that is really how I have seen God's love and just mercy show up in my life is softening my heart to community, showing me the different ways that community can look in my life, that it doesn't have to look like what I thought it was going to look like, and just what how meaningful that can be. I've known Sally Lloyd-Jones for more than 20 years. We went to the same church. We were in a small group 
actually together of women who got together to study God's word and we laughed a lot and encouraged one another as people trying to navigate New York City and our careers. She has been a mentor and an incredible encouragement for me just as a writer. We have been through more than one copy of the Jesus Storybook Bible. I tell my kids they're very lucky. We're very special because Miss Sally has autographed them all um, and written little notes to my children, which is so wonderful. But what I have really learned from Sally's just beautiful words and her beautiful interpretation of God's story for us is what I hope my children will remember is that no amount of hard work or good deeds or perfect grades will get us into God's favor. You can be very confident and self-sufficient and you cannot pave the path forward to salvation. You cannot bridge that canyon. So God has to come to us. And that is the story of the whole book is God's incredible love for us that he came to earth. You know, he does the impossible through the darkness or the wall that you can't climb or the circumstance you can't see your way through because it is not impossible for him. I'll be reading from a story in the Jesus Storybook Bible called God Makes a Way, where God uses Moses to help his people escape from Egypt. God led his people through the desert to the edge of a great sea. They were just wondering how to cross it when suddenly they heard a terrible thundering and pounding. Pharaoh and his army were coming to get them. When the Egyptians tried to follow, the walls of water crashed back down on them and swallowed them up. God's people were safe. They danced and laughed and sang and thanked God. When there had been no way out, God had made a way. God knew his children could never be happy without him, but they couldn't get back to him by themselves. They were lost. They didn't know the way back, but God knew the way. You know, what I love most about this passage is what happens after God's people cross the sea. It says they dance and laugh and sing. And I think so often we get through a difficult time in our lives or we overcome an obstacle and we blame ourselves or we blame other people for not handling it a certain way. You should have done this or you should have done that sooner or if you'd only said X, Y, or Z, or maybe we're ashamed that we couldn't fix it on our own. But following God's lead and accepting his great love and miracles leads only to dancing and laughter and joy. It does not lead to finger pointing or shame. It leads to joy. And there's a lightness of letting God rescue us. You can get the Jesus Storybook Bible wherever books are sold. To find out more about the book and all of Sally's other books, please visit Sally at sallylloyd-jones.com and follow her on Instagram at sallylloydjones and at jesus underscore storybook underscore bible. Before we go, don't forget, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Oh, hello. It's me again, Sally. I'm just popping back briefly to say two things. The first thing is, don't forget to subscribe to the show because that way you'll get the stories straight to your phone. And the other thing is, while we're at it, would you rate the show and leave us a review? That would be so great because it helps other people find the show too. I really appreciate your help. Thank you.